Are you ready for the word? Yeah. Luke chapter 5. Hallelujah. Praise God. Stretch forth your hand towards me right now. Let's see whether God will give us a revelation. Father, I thank you right now for the burden uh, lifting and the yoke destroying power of God that makes preaching and teaching easy to be listened to, easy to be understood, easy to be applied in our lives. And I thank you tonight your word will not, cannot, shall not return void. But Lord, I thank you tonight for signs and wonders and miracles in this house in Jesus' name. And everybody said yes. Hallelujah. Well, I want to read a, a familiar portion of Scripture to you from the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 12. I'll read from the New King James. Uh, it says here, And it came, uh, it happened that when he had come to a certain city, that behold, a man full of leprosy saw Jesus, and this man with leprosy fell down on his face, imploring him, saying, Lord, if you are willing... You can make me clean. I want you to notice this portion of Scripture. We'll look at some other Scripture in just a moment. But I want you to notice in this portion of Scripture, this leper had a revelation that a lot of Christians, probably in Lloyd Minister, don't have. He already knew that Jesus is able. He already knew that Jesus could. He already had an understanding. Maybe he'd been around, uh, you know, from a distance looking at the crowds when Jesus lifted up those that were bowed down or opened up the eyes of the blind. Or uh, maybe he'd been in the crowd when he saw the woman with the issue of blood press in past the crowd and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. But somehow, somehow, this man had a revelation that Jesus can. Everybody say, Jesus can. Now, I know tonight that, you know, you're a well-taught church. I can already tell just by being here for a few moments, you know, somewhat where you're at in your teaching, your instruction. And I think you're well-taught. And I think probably everybody here has a revelation that Jesus could, Jesus can. And uh, that he can heal your body and he can, you know, set you free from depression. And he can touch your finances and he can. Come on now. How many know Jesus can? Well, I was, I was seven years old when I found out Jesus can. Hallelujah, because I, I was seven years old, and my mom went to the hospital in a car. And two and a half months later, she came. I never saw her for two and a half months. She disappeared for two and a half months, went to the hospital in a car, came home two and a half months later in an ambulance. Because back then, you know, in Ontario, they thought that, you know, somebody at you know, seven years old going to the hospital to see their mom in the hospital, I don't know, they thought maybe it would cause irrevocable brain damage or something. I don't know. But, but uh, you know, today, you know, kids see much more worse on the television, right? But, uh, and so I never saw my mom for two and a half, for two and a half uh, months. And she came, home on, she came home in an ambulance on a stretcher. And uh, they had taken her to the hospital. She had problems with her back. And the doctors had opened up her back and uh, opened her back up. And, and they started to do surgery on her back. And when uh, in the middle of the surgery, she died, literally physically died on the operating table. And the doctors pulled out their jumper cables. And doctors have their jumper cables, but we have our jumper cables. Amen. And the doctors pulled out their jumper cables, and they put it on my mom. And they brought her back to life. And a few days later, and sewed her back up. And a few days later, when they uh, brought her back uh, into, the, into the room, when she came out of intensive care, uh, the doctor sat down beside her and said, Sis, you know, said Mrs. Davy, we got, we got some good news and some bad news. Well, the doctor was a friend of our family, 
And, uh, and so my mom, you know, being the optimist, she said, well, tell me uh, the good news first. And, and the doctor said, well, the good news is you're alive. And she said, yeah, I'm looking at your mug right now. I, I kind of figured that out. And, uh, and so she said, well, tell me the bad news. And the doctor said, he said, uh, he said, well, he said, unfortunately, we opened your back up. And we've done damage to your back and you will never walk again. And, uh, and that was the news that my, my mom was told. And, and so she came home from the hospital. And the day after she came home, she brought me into the room, called me into the room. And I sat down beside her in bed, uh, by the bed there. And she said, son, I want to tell you, I have some, something to tell you. She said, you know, she said, the doctors tell me that I'm never going to walk again. And uh, I began to cry. I'm only seven years old, so I got tears streaming down my face. My mom says, oh, no, don't cry. She said, I, I had some faith preachers come in and lay their hands on me. Hallelujah. And she said, I believe I receive in Jesus' name. And she said, I'm just telling you right now what the doctors told me. It, they may believe what they told you, but I believe what the Word of God says. And she said, I believe by Jesus' stripes I'm healed. She said, I'm just telling you this right now so that when I do walk, you'll know that there's a God in heaven who heals the sick, lifts up those that are bowed down, and opens up the eyes of the blind. Well, the next day, the doctor and the VON, that's the Victorian Order of Nurses. I don't know whether they have it here, but um, they used to have it. I don't even know that they still have it in Ontario. But the Victorian Order of Nurses and the doctors, they, that's when doctors still made house calls. And uh, they came to the house, and, and their big task that day was to get my mom out of bed into a wheelchair. They bring this wheelchair into the room. And I remember because I wasn't supposed to be, but I was peeking around the bifolds and just kind of, you know, like this, kind of looking and seeing what was going on. Because we knew my family was friends with the doctors and my brothers and sisters played with his kids and so forth. But he wasn't there to be friends today. He was there to be doctor. And he was trying to get her out of, the, out of bed into a wheelchair. And, and the doctor says, You're gonna, we're going to lift you up. We're going to put you in a wheelchair. She says, I'm not going in there. And, and the doctor says, yes, you are. And she says, no, I'm not. And he said, yes, you are. And she said, no, I'm not. And so he says to her very firmly, he says, he said, well, Mrs. Davies, he called her by her first name. He said, you are, you are going to have to be a little bit more realistic about this because this bed and this wheelchair are going to be your home for the rest of your life here. And my mom says, no. She says, I believe by Jesus' stripes I will be healed. Hallelujah. And I will walk again. Hallelujah. And she said, she said to the doctor, just stand me on my feet. And the doctor said, you can't stand on your feet. You'll fall over. She said, just stand me on my feet. I said, just my mom was a pretty tough lady. She said, just she was more authoritative than the doctor was. She said, just stand me on my feet. And he said, no, you're going to fall over. And, and uh, so finally she said, I said, stand me on my feet. And so finally the doctor and the VON, they stood her on her feet. And the doctor turned to the VON and he said, she'll learn. And I'm picking around the corner. I wanted to go and just slap that doctor real quick. But I was too small. And, and so... I'm just peeking around the corner, and my mom lifted up her hand towards heaven. And she lifted up her hand towards heaven, and she said, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And before my very eyes, my mom put one foot in front of the other. And she began to walk in 275 Charlton Avenue West, Hamilton, Ontario. The doctor was there. The VON was there. I was there. My mom was there. Everybody had tears streamed down their face. A couple of days later, they were there to help her walk up the stairs. They all confessed it was a miracle. As a matter of fact, it was so much of a miracle that that doctor actually gave his heart to Jesus. Hallelujah. And 
And up till a few years ago, until he went to glory, he supported Global Harvest Ministries. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But I'll tell you something. So I learned when I was just a little child that Jesus can. And I want you to know he can. If you're here and you got any inkling of an idea whether you know God's powerful enough, I'm telling you, He can. Hallelujah. He can lift up those that are bowed down. He can open up your blind eyes. Uh, he can open up your unstopped ear. He can heal your cancer. Hallelujah. Jesus can. He can. Hallelujah. Well, I was in uh, Ken Ross, Michigan, a few years ago, and I'm in the service. I was in this. I was in this service. It was a bunch of free. Uh, it was a bunch of Christian Reformed people who got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the pastor and his wife got filled with the Holy Ghost. They got kicked out of the Reformed church. So they're meeting at the, the Ramada Inn. And so they say, well, you come and preach. So I go preach there. They were, funny thing is, they were running 150 people when they got, when they got kicked out. And uh, about, you know, two months later, they're running 300 people. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, you know, affliction does sometimes help you. Amen. Contrary winds get you off the ground. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we're in that. That, that service and Michigan and this lady is in this service and I recognize this lady her name was Shirley she got saved five uh, years earlier in our gospel tent in Sault Ste. Marie Ontario we put up our gospel tent this lady was 70 years old and she saw the gospel tent she'd never been to church since she was a little kid because she was molested by the priest and so she told herself I am never ever going to set foot in church again for the rest of my life and she never did but she saw a gospel tent. She said, I know that's kind of a church, but it's not really a church. And she said, I'm getting old. So she said, I'll walk into that tent. So you walked in that tent, and the first night God opened her ear, and uh, she was deaf in one ear, and she gave her heart to Jesus. Well, five years later, she drives across the border. She's now 75 years old, if you can do the math. She drives across the border down an hour down into down across to the uh, Saginaw, not the Saginaw, but the, what's it called, bridge in the Michigan, what? The Mackinac Bridge, and she draw, she's driving down there, and she meets us at the Ramada, and there she is sitting in the service, and she's sitting beside this old guy. I thought, well, bless God, maybe she, you know, God's restored her youth, and she's got a boyfriend or something, and uh, I didn't know what was going on, but after a little while, I look over there, and she's falling over like this. And so, you know, I thought maybe she'd just fallen asleep. I thought she's 75 years old. She wants to sleep. She can sleep. Praise God. You know, I'm, I was trying to be nice to her. And uh, but after a while, I mean, I look at the guy next to her, and he goes like, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on there, but I don't think he knows her too well because he's not feeling too comfortable about this one. So the pastor's wife, and you're gonna remember, she's a she's a Christian reform, just got filled with the Holy Spirit. She's over there trying to deal with him. And next thing you know, my, one of the guys is traveling. The respiratory therapist is traveling with me. He's over there, and you know, there's a big to do, and and I'm trying to preach now. You know. You got to understand, us preachers, you know, get mad at me or get glad with me, but do not ignore me. Come on now. And so I'm like, you know, leave those people alone. Come on now. Just kind of focus over here. Come on. God told me he's going to do something awesome and big tonight. I mean, you are not going to believe what God's going to do. I didn't know God was setting it all up, but... Um, and so I'm trying to, I'm over here. Come on, everybody. Come on, keep your attention. Come on. Most people, mostly everybody was pretty good, except for one or two people that are like this. But, uh, but you know, for the most part, everybody's, you know, everybody's trying to be good, and I'm trying to preach, and I'm distracted by this, but I'm just trying to plow through and praise God. And next thing I know, I see red, these red lights come up the side of the building. I didn't put this and this together. I
God. Praise God. It just saved my voice because I got another month to go. Praise God. You can turn it down if you want, but but just save my voice a bit. And so she's she she she's and my respiratory says she's a respiratory therapist. He goes he goes yeah she's been dead for twenty minutes. I said well this is what I heard myself say. See I didn't say it, but I heard myself say this. Nobody is gonna die in this service. And then I felt like Steve Urkel. Did I say that? I was like ushers just warm up the car please. And, uh, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, i got to put up or shut up or something, you know. They're going to drive me out of town if we don't have a miracle now. But I just grabbed the lady by the, by the head, and I just, because she's dead. doesn't matter, right? <laughs> I mean, if she's dead, it doesn't matter how, I just, I mean, I probably was a little rough with her. But, praise God, she's dead, right? So I, I mean, if something's going to happen, you know. And so I grabbed her, and I just said, in the name of Jesus, I command the life of God to come back. I'm just giving it my best shot. That's all I'm doing. I thought, man, I got to at least look like I tried. <laughs> come on in. And, and I just, I grabbed her, in the name of Jesus, I command the life of God to come back in you right now. And all of a sudden, she shot up her hands like this, hallelujah. She goes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you know, I'll tell you something. That night, it was easy to get back sealed. I mean, praise God, headaches, they just went. Hallelujah. Praise God. Why? Because Jesus can. Everybody say he can. Well, we were uh, on our last trip, uh, not last trip, but second to last trip, uh, we were over in this place called Nemula, which is very far up north in the Dafar region. And we drove into this area, into the Sudan, with Operation Philip. And we had come so far, uh, we had all kinds of breakdowns, and we were four days late getting there. And, uh, you know, when, you know, you're on a mission. I'm not in Sudan to get a sunburn, a suntan. I'm not there to look at the scenery because there's no scenery. And I'm not there to enjoy the food because, believe me, it ain't that good. It's, you know, one day we have rice and beans. The next day they switch up the menu and we have beans and rice. <laughs> and so, and so I'm like, you know, I'm just, we're there and I'm ready to preach, man. Get into the, get into the town. And they tell me that maybe all but two people, only two people in the whole town had ever seen a white person before. It was a couple of this chief that had traveled a little bit. And so I'm in the only building, the only building that's made of brick. And uh, it's about, you know, maybe, that, probably not any bigger than this stage, divided into two rooms. And every other, room, every other building in the whole town is, is mud and thatched. It's a big, big, uh, you know, big metropolis, but that's the only building. It was built by the UNICEF, and they let us stay in it for free. Praise God. And by the only problem is it was 47 degrees outside, and this building had a tin roof. So I get in there, and I'm, you know, you know there's big crowds around me, and I'm, you know, there's no, there's no, you know, there's no there to really help you. They're, all my team are just busy, so I'm going, I go into the room, two of my workers come in with me, and I said, thank God there's two windows, at least we can breathe, but within about three minutes, there's all black faces in both the windows. I sent my soldiers, because we, we travel with a couple armed guys with AKAs just for protection, so I sent my guys out, I said, kind of get those guys away from the window, I mean, be, be nice about it, but tell them I got to breathe, you know. And, uh, but he couldn't get them away. After about an hour, he came back and said, it's useless. They know I'm not going to shoot them. 
So for three days, I, no, three days, I am, 24 hours a day, I am the main attraction at the local zoo. I mean, my workers are moving around the room, and they're, you know, they're black, and they're moving around the room, and nobody's paying attention to them. I scratch my nose, or I go like this, and they're, you know, everybody's like, I move my hand in there. I said, look at this, man. I said, watch. <laughs> so for three days, I'm like that, you know. Finally, finally, uh, God sent a big mama with a, a big, long stick. And she got out there, and after a few days, she knew that we were just weary of the crowd. And she started, I said, Mama, you are hired, and if you know somebody else can do the same job as you, we'll hire her too. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so she got them away. But the first night, we're trying to start the service. Now, see, I'm not, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to actually teach you something, but I'm trying to help you to see that Jesus can. And I think you know Jesus can, but how many know some of these stories are inspiring? Okay? So, uh, and I'm, I'm going to teach you something. Don't worry. Sometime, praise God. But see, uh, and so we're, you know, it's the first night of the service, and and uh, you know we're, you know, it's time to preach. And all of a sudden, one of my workers said, you know, we told them to bring the sick, bring the lame, bring the crippled, bring, you know, bring the people. And so what do they do? Uh, they bring the sick, and so they bring, you know, some very sick people. And now uh, it's time to start the service. Now we're four days late. I'm ready to go. I mean, all this work has been for this. Right now, we're ready to go preach it. There's 15 or 16,000 people out there. And one of my workers walks in and says, somebody just died on the field. I'm like, well, you know, um, what are you going to do about that? See, the whole point is, is I'm, I'm still concerned about the 15,000 people. Now, it doesn't mean I didn't care about that one person, but she's already dead. Hello. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be uncaring. But I just tell you how I think. And then maybe you can forgive me for it, thinking that way. But this is how I thought. I'm just thinking, well, I'm not going to let 15,000 people miss out on a service because somebody died on the field. So I said, well, I don't care. We're going to start anyways. Basically, I wasn't even thinking about any kind of, you know, anything happening uh, with her. I was just thinking, I've got to get out there and preach to the people who don't know Jesus. So I don't usually open the service, but tonight I thought I'm just going to get things going. So I got up there with the microphone and my translator, and I started praying. I Start commanding the life of God. These people don't know Jesus. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know, who, you know, they have no clue who he is. They don't know anything about signs and wonders and miracles. They have no clue. They're just there because something's happening and they want to be a part of it. And so I just get out there. I start declaring the life of God, the power of God, the strength of God, the miracles and signs and wonders and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And as I stretch forth my hand like this, I said, and I speak life over this whole field. And they told me when I said that, that lady over there had been dead for three hours, came alive. Well, that sounds good, but when they brought her beside the stage, I thought they should have let her sleep. Because <laughs> she was still sick, man. She was like, she was really all twisted up, and her eyes were dragging down. And, and you know, that night she was beside, she laid there sick that night. And my heart went out to her, and I preached the spirit. I was more concerned about her now than I was when she was dead. Come on now, understand what I'm saying? And so, uh, you know, I preached that night. We had thousands of people give their heart to Jesus. And we had all kinds of miracles. And, and, uh, but to my knowledge, I watched this lady go home the same way. She left the same way she came. And my heart was troubled, but not too troubled. And that's why the reason why my heart wasn't too troubled is because Reinhard Bonnke years ago, he taught me. He said, you've got to get your eyes on what Jesus is doing, not on what he's not doing. And so, I mean, I'm, you know, 
bothered by that lady, but on the other hand, I'm excited about what all the miracles are doing. And uh, so uh, the next day, uh, we, you know, usually we have uh, leadership training, and uh, then we have breakfast, and then all my guys disperse. And so they start to disperse to go do their jobs. Well, 25 of the 50 guys are still hanging around. I say, what, what are you guys doing, man? Don't you have any work to do? And they look and said, no. I said, why don't you have any work to do? I said, the generators, all are working now. We got new generators. I said, praise God. For 11 years, we've been broke down generators. And every time we go to do something, we got to fix one or there's something to fix. They said, there's nothing to fix today. Praise God. I said, hallelujah. I said, well, maybe we should just go under the tree over there and teach a little healing seminar. And so I'm over there. I'm, you know, we walk over there, 25 people. And next thing I know, there's... 100 and 200 and 300 and you know 10 minutes later it's 500 and a little while later it's 1,000 I made a mistake when the crowd was 2,000 I told them today I'm going to lay hands on everybody who's sick and when I was finished preaching or teaching there was about 14,000 people you do the math you do the math five seconds a person and 14,000 people you just do the math and see how long that's going to take so at any rate, I tried to keep my word, and, and uh, you know, and I'm thinking, because you've got to think about the service tonight is the big thing, and uh, so they're coming through, and, and as they're coming through, somewhere along the line, this lady gets dragged through, and literally dragged through. Her both legs were back like, her both, both ladies, uh, both legs were back like this, and they were literally dragging her through. She was totally twisted up like this, and she came through the line, and, and, uh, I didn't have much time to pray for her. I just said, in the name of Jesus, I speak the life of God. You'll live and not die. And I went on to the next person because I'm thinking, i got a service tonight. And so, and, and, and how many know it doesn't take a long prayer anyways? And so, you know, and so she goes through. And that night we had somebody who was blind, got healed, and somebody was crippled, started walking. And then my crusade coordinator, he gets up on the stage. He says, Brother Mark, you're going to like this one. And as, uh, as, uh, as the lady came up, on the stage, the whole crowd went crazy because this lady was the same lady who had died, who got resurrected, who was still sick, who got through the prayer line somehow. They dragged her through the prayer line, but somehow she got healed, hallelujah. And she's up on the stage with straight arms, straight hands, straight legs. Her eyes are normal. Her lips are normal. She's carrying a Bible. Praise God. And her testimony was this. She said, this is her testimony. She says, I was so sick the last two days, I thought I was going to die again. Well, let me just tell you, Jesus can. Everybody say, Jesus can. They say, well, why are you telling me all these stories? Because you need to know more than, and we need to talk about miracles more than we do. And I know we have the theology of it, and I know we have good doctrine taught in this church. But we need to talk and rehearse the stories, not about what God did a hundred years ago. But we need to talk about, and we need to make big time what God is doing in our life today so that everybody knows that Jesus can. Somebody say, Jesus can. Well, we were in Sault Ste. Marie, and, and, and uh, Sault Ste. Marie, just a, a week and a half ago, and a man came in the first night with his wife, and they were by no means saved. I mean, they were they were drunk. They were they were. You could smell the alcohol on them. You could you knew that they were had a rough life, and they came in, and that night they gave their heart to Jesus, and the next night they came back and sat on the front row. And I looked at them, and I looked at the man especially. I said, man, you smell different. You look different. You, 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 you're even got a smile on your face today. And everybody noticed his life was totally changed. I said, even your eyes look different. 
I didn't know anything was wrong with his eyes. But he said, I said, even your eyes, all I knew is that the night before, his eyes were all bloodshot. And uh, it probably looked like they'd been blown out from too much alcohol. And, uh, and the next night, his eyes were all clear and clean and, and so forth. And so, and everybody was clapping. He said, yeah, I feel like a brand new man. Praise God. And, you know, never really told me about anything. But I just prayed for him and spoke the life of God. I just thank God. And uh, the next night, they told me, they told me that he was at the hospital. I said, why is he at the hospital? They said, because uh, he had, he had, uh, had been a fight seven years earlier and his eye had detached. And uh, I didn't know. I didn't know. I just prayed for him. I prayed for the life of God over his life. I told him he had beautiful eyes, and his eyes looked real good. Hallelujah. And I, I, I spoke that night on believing and speaking and speaking and believing, which is faith, and uh, which is the substance of faith. And, uh, and so, uh, so, but the next, they called him up in the morning, and the doctor says, we're going to take out your eye tonight. So he went over to the doctors, and he was over there at the hospital for a while, and they're prepping him, and they're telling him what they're going to do, and he's thinking about He said, this is what he said. He said, I was thinking about what I heard the last two nights. I'm thinking about what the doctor told me, and I'm thinking about what I heard the last two nights. I'm thinking what the doctor told me, and what they said didn't make no sense to me. He said, so I got up off the bed, and he said, I dressed myself, and he walked through the service the third night. He walked through the service right while I was preaching came up to the front, sat on the front row, listened to the rest of the message with a patch on his eye. For he's God. How many know it's good to be in church when you're sick? Hallelujah. Because Jesus can. Somebody say, Jesus can. Hallelujah. And so I laid my hands on him that night. He took off that patch. And for the first time in seven years, the eye that was disconnected started moving with the other one. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus can. He can. He can. Yeah. New Year's. I just tell you one line. You say, you say why you tell me so? Because it builds your faith. I was in. I was in Port Perry, Ontario, on New Year's Eve, and uh, the secretary of that church. I didn't know she was a secretary of the church uh, a couple years earlier, but she was in a camp meeting of ours. And I, I said, somebody has tumors in her stomach, and she came forward. And Sharon, you can. You were there, uh, Zach. I don't know. You were there. Zach was there. Sharon was there. She had tumors in her stomach. And I prayed for her, and right in front of everybody's eyes, she lost six inches off her waist. She actually had to carry, she had to hold her, is this not true, Sharon? She had to carry herself like this. And praise God on New Year's Eve, she was there, still healed, hallelujah. A couple years later, praise God. Why? Because Jesus can. Now see, I know you know Jesus can, but it's good to hear stories about what Jesus is doing now. Hallelujah. You need to know that whatever He can do, He could do. And hallelujah, that He could do it right here. Hallelujah. Praise God. Tonight, hallelujah. Because He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. And He changes not. Hallelujah. Jesus can. Somebody say, Jesus can. Okay, let's get to the message now. See, Jesus, the leper comes up to Jesus and says, I know that you can. But he turns to Jesus and said, if you will, I could be made whole. Well, you see, I think if we do a survey in, in Lloyd Minister, uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan tonight, uh, I think probably you might find uh, uh, maybe 20 or 30% of Christians that might believe that he could. I don't know. Hopefully it's more. But I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure tonight that you would have as many percentage that would believe that he will. Come on now. And this leper came to Jesus and said, I know you can, but if you will. Everybody say, you will. 
See, 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 tonight, the, the, real, the real proof of our faith is not that we think he could if he wants to. Or that maybe there's a wind that might blow in. Or maybe there's a wave. Or maybe there'll be a move of God. Or maybe, there, maybe we'll just be lucky. We'll get a miracle. We don't know. That's how most Christians get. They get a miracle and they don't know how to do it again because they don't know how they got it the first time. Come on now. But, uh, but see, see most, most people, they believe Jesus. I'm, some Christians believe Jesus can, but they're not so sure he will. And this leper came and he said, I know you can. I've seen you do it. But I'm, he's, I'm not really sure that you will. And Jesus, what did Jesus do? He turned around to the man and he said, he said, I will be thou clean. Everybody say, he can. And tonight you're not, you need to know that he will. See, see, he will. Someone say, he will. You say, well, how will he? You know, I want you to know the will of Jesus was not accomplished in Lloyd Minister today. Why? Because his will is none should perish. His will is that all should come to repentance. His will that healing should flow through this town. Hallelujah. Like the rivers. Hallelujah. Come on now. His will is that the depressed would be would jump for joy. Hallelujah. Come on now. So Jesus' will is good for us. Hallelujah. And see, you need to know that so the leper came to Jesus and he said, I know you can, but if you will, you can make me whole. You need to know tonight that I can prove in my Bible, and if I had some time, I could prove in my Bible that only can he, he can, but he will, hallelujah. He will heal your body. He will touch your soul. He will heal your depression. He'll take away your cancer. He'll take away your arthritis. He'll heal your achy, breaky heart. He can, and he will, hallelujah. You say, well, how willing was Jesus? Well, Jesus was willing to be beaten the courts of Pilate. He was willing to carry the cross up Galgotha's Hill. You know, we were over in the Holy Land a little while ago, and, you know, the tour guide wanted to stop. You know, they got the 14 stations of the cross. And, they, you know, it's just all business for them. They want us to stop at each place, a souvenir shop, and this is where Jesus, you know, you know did this, and just Jesus did that on the way to the cross. And, of course, we know that, you know, he, he probably didn't stop much, but praise God, it, the issue is not that he stopped. The issue is that he went all the way to Calvary, hallelujah. All the way to Calvary he went for me, hallelujah. And so he went all the way up Galgoth's hill. He suffered and he bled and he died and he gave his last blood. He was so willing. He was willing to be beaten. He was willing to be bruised. He was willing to take the nails through his, his, his hands and through his feet and, and to be pierced in the side. He was willing, hallelujah, to suffer and have a crown of thorns upon his head. He was willing to be mocked. He was willing to give his very life blood so that you and I could be saved hallelujah he can save us he will save us hallelujah he can heal us he will heal us hallelujah Jesus can Jesus will hallelujah so the question I just you know that's really the real question is he it's not whether Jesus can the real question is not whether Jesus will Although some of you may, may not be so sure. But the real question tonight is, will you believe it? Flip over me to John. We're just going to look at a couple of scriptures before we close. I said, I say, just telling stories tonight. Well, it's all right. It's good. Praise God. Flip over to John chapter 5 for a couple minutes. I've got a few scriptures to show you. I'm not winding down yet, but I will sometime. It says, and after the, John chapter 5, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Well, you know what? Flip over, flip over with me to, to Mark 9 first, if you would. 
Flip, flip over to Mark 9. Keep your finger in John. Mark chapter 9. It says here, how many remember the story of the, the, the demonic boy that came to Jesus by, with, his, with his father? And the disciples tried to cast out the devil. Come on, how many remember that? And, uh, and they tried to do it, and they couldn't do it. And, uh, and so this father comes up to Jesus. And let's read the text. He said, he said, uh, he said uh, uh, to turn to his, his disciples, verse 19 of Mark chapter 9. He said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and Jesus saw him. And immediately the Bible says a demonic spirit convulsed in him, and he fell down on the ground, and he wallowed foaming at the mouth. And so Jesus asked the father, that's the father of the boy, how long has this been going on? Now, see, I want you to see this. Jesus is standing in the crowd, he's preaching, he's teaching, and here we have, we have a, a, a boy that's demonic possessed, and his father is bringing him to the disciples. The disciples couldn't do anything, so they press past the disciples, and Jesus says, okay, bring him to me. When they bring the boy to Jesus, what happened? The Bible says that the boy fell down on the ground and for you know I, I don't mind looking like a little bit of a fool for a moment to just show you what happened he fell down on the ground and he started going crazy <laughs> now how many know um, you know we don't want that kind of stuff I mean you know you don't necessarily want that kind of stuff happening but Jesus didn't seem too bothered by it he, he, he as a matter of fact in the midst of that he, he took the he said come on over here father he came to the father he said he came over to he said come on over here let me talk to you for a second and he said, I don't know how long that boy went on like that, but Jesus didn't seem too bothered by it because he wanted to talk to the Father. And uh, what did he say to the Father? He said, how long has this been going on? How long will a friend with a friendly persuasion won't admit that it's part of a scheme, but I can't help. Because I'm not quite as dumb as I see. How long? Okay. So Jesus says to the father, he says, you know, how long has it been going on? And the father of the boy says, you know, it's been going on since the child is trying to drown him in the water. It's trying to burn him to the fire. It's trying to kill him. And the father said to Jesus, he said, he said, if you can, See, this guy didn't even know whether Jesus... He, the question for him wasn't anywhere near as, as sophisticated as the man who had leprosy. This man said, if you can. He didn't even know whether Jesus... I just don't know whether you can. But if you can do something with him, please have compassion on him. Please heal my son. Please. And Jesus looked at the father... And he said to the father, the father of the boy, he said to the father, he said, the question is not really if I can. The question is not really if I will. The question is, can you believe? Can you believe? Or let's put it this way. The question is not whether I will. The question is not whether I want to. The, not, the question is not whether I can help you. But the question really is, will you let me? And I believe it's very appropriate that Jesus was talking to the father of the boy. Because when he talked to the father of the boy, how many know, fathers and mothers, you still have authority over your children. Hallelujah. 
And I don't care how old they are or how far they've gone or how married they are or how, they are, how many kids they have. In a sense, you still have some kind of spiritual authority over them. And if they're not living for God, you need to will them to be saved. Hallelujah. You need to will them to be healed. Don't give up on your children. Hallelujah. Don't say, well, they're old. They'll make their own decisions. No. You stand your ground for them. Praise God. So Jesus said to the Father, he said, he said, no, the question, I like what one translation says. It goes, if you read it, it's almost sarcastic. It's like, ha, if I will, if I can, the question is not whether I will, the question is not whether I can. The question is, can you believe it? Huh? See, that's where I think we really have a problem. Because I think the issue is not in most of our churches. It's not whether we believe Jesus can. And even in some of the churches I preach in, many of the people know that Jesus will. But I think the biggest problem is, are we going to give Him permission to get into our life and to deal with our life and to change our life? Because it's going to mean a whole lot more than just healing in our bodies. Well, stay with me because I'm going somewhere with this. I know I start off with stories. I'm going to teach you something. Come on. Someone say, He's going to teach me something. So Jesus said to him, said, no, no, the question's not if you can, if I can, or if I will. The question is, can you believe it? Now flip over to John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 5. I love this story here in John, chapter 5, because here is the real essence of what healing's all about. See, Jesus walks in, the Bible says in John, chapter 5, he comes to a place where there's a sheep gate. And how many know when you go through the sheep gate, how many know if there's a sheep gate... How many know if there's sheep around the sheep gate? It ain't too smelly. My wife and I were in the Holy Land, and just by chance, I got to, I got to read this. I mean, the, the tour guide, he wasn't a Christian, but he asked me to read the scripture in, in uh, John chapter 5 about the pool of Bethesda. I was right there. Praise God. I said it wasn't by chance, man. Because after that, I was with a whole bunch of ministers. Didn't even believe in healing. But I just said, praise God, I just want you to start preaching. I said, praise God, I just want you to know right now that if you have sickness in your body, hallelujah, it's not whether Jesus can. It's not whether Jesus will. It's it, whether you can believe it and whether you'll receive it. Yeah. And after that, we went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And praise God, when I was serving communion, they asked, they asked me and this other preacher to do communion over all these ministers. And bless God, they asked me to pray for the sick. And Baptists and Free Methodists and Lutherans and, and Salvation Army captains were coming forward getting prayer from me. Praise God, because I believe not only Jesus can, but I believe that if you make a depend on faith, He will. Hallelujah. If you can believe it, you can receive it. Hallelujah. And so listen, this Jesus goes up to this man. And he, come on now, this is the... This is the sheep gate. And right by the sheep gate, there is a pool of Bethesda. You remember the story. The Bible says all the halt, the sick, the lame, the maimed, they all laid there. It was not a pretty sight. See, when I was a kid, they used to sing in church, Pool of Bethesda, what a beautiful place. Pool of Bethesda, full of mercy and grace. And I was like, I don't think that. I was a little kid. I was thinking, man, there's sheep all around there. It, don't, it wasn't, probably it wasn't that beautiful at all. Plus, that besides that, they would bring the sick, the halt, the maimed, the lame. And they would lay there stewing in their own juices all day. It was not nice. It was an unpleasant place. And here they're laying there. And to top it off, they were still living in the old covenant. 
And the glory would come down and trouble the water. There was a time and a season the glory would trouble the water. And these people were in. And this guy was crippled and lame from his mother's womb. And somebody come walking along past the pool of Bethesda. And they have a cold. And they'd see the water troubled. And they'd just go, praise God. And they'd dive in the water. Hallelujah. And they'd jump out and go, hallelujah. I'm healed. Hallelujah. Glory. I had a cold. Praise God. And I got healed. Hallelujah. Glory. And the guy's been crippled all his life. Like, what's wrong with me? Because how many know sometimes when you're sick, along with your physical problems, how many know sometimes there's also some emotional problems? And he's laying there, stewing in his own juices. He's laying there watching other people get healed. He's laying there watching it all happen. And Jesus comes up. Are you listening to me? Jesus walks up. And I don't know what verse it is. I don't know whether you got it on there or not. But he says, he says, he said, Jesus comes up and he says, he said in verse 5, he said, will you be made whole? Or, or he goes up like this. You could just put it in today's vernacular. Do you want to get healed? Do you want to get healed? And I imagine the man laying there and says, No! I'm just laying here for the benefit of my health. <laughs> Give me my hanky. He says, No. He says, No. He said, You know, the man comes up to Jesus and says, Do you want to be healed? See, I, when I read that after a while, you know, just a few years ago when I was reading that, I actually got offended. I said, Jesus, how could you? I mean, this is Jesus, nice Jesus, wonderful Jesus, precious Jesus, loving Jesus, kind Jesus. And he goes up and this guy has been paralyzed. Come on, praise God. He comes up and this man's been paralyzed for, for his whole life. And Jesus goes up to him and says, So, do you want to get healed? Sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? But listen to me, I found out there's a lot of people that don't want to get healed. I was over in India one time. There was a blind man. I said, to the blind man, I said, I'll, I'll pray for you. God could open your eyes. And he said, oh, no, sir, don't pray for me. He says, I employ 24 people. If I start seeing, they'll all lose their jobs. He says, they take me around all day. That's what he said. Are you listening to me? I found out some people don't want to be healed. I was in northern Ontario one time. I was praying for one lady. She said there was a prayer line, and she came up. And I said, you know that if you get healed right now, you're going to have to get off disability. And she goes, hallelujah. She said, thank you, Jesus. She said, I'm so tired of sitting around. I am so tired of this. And she said, I want a job. I want a life. I don't want to live this way anymore. Please pray for me that Jesus will heal me. And while I was saying that, somebody yelled out in the crowd, don't pray for me. And I knew the lady. I could tell you her name. And she's still on disability. I was in Regina, Saskatchewan one time praying for somebody to be healed. And it was a whole healing line of people. And I prayed for this person, this person, this person, this person, this person. And all of a sudden I went to pray for this person. I had a neck brace around her. And all of a sudden God just said, don't touch her. And I went like this, turned around. Prayed for the next person, next person, next person. And I came back and God said, ask her about the lawsuit. I said to her, ma'am, do you have a lawsuit? She said, yeah, I'm suing somebody. I said, why? She said, well, I was in an accident. I said, well, was the guy drunk? Did he do it on purpose? She said, no, it's just an accident. I said, so what do you want? you want to get healed or do you want 
the lawsuit. She said, well, what I really want, and she said, the lawsuit is probably going to go to court in about, she said, about 12 months or 13 months. She said, I'd like to get healed just after that. I said, lady, go sit down. I didn't want to pray with you. I just, I just, I don't understand what I'm talking about. I prayed for a man in Long Lack under our gospel tent, and there's people that will verify this to this very day. We prayed for a crippled man. He got out of his chair. He'd been crippled for 15 years from a car accident. Got out, got up, jumped around, walked, ran around the tent, was walking for 20 minutes, and then he went and got back in his chair. And to this day, he has never walked again. I was telling the story to somebody an hour away from where I preached that place. And that lady says, I know that story very well. I said, do you know the man? She goes, yes, he's my brother. I said, what happened? Do you think he really got healed or did he not get healed or what happened? She said, oh no, he could never walk. She said, he genuinely got healed. He said, but he started thinking about how he was going to support his family. He started thinking about his disability. And all of a sudden, he decided that he'd be better off financially if he stayed in the chair. Now, I'm not judging the man. But I'm just telling you, see, in North America, the re I'm convinced the reason why we have so many struggles with healings, and it's not as easy as it is in other countries, although I will say we are having miracles in Canada. And we're seeing all kinds of people healed. But I think there's some barriers that we have to remove. And I think one of the biggest barriers is when somebody's been sick for 10 or 15 years and they haven't had a job and the world is moving so fast over here that 15 years ago they had a good job but now they look at themselves and they say, I don't even know what I'd do anymore because my job doesn't even exist. And so there's not just physical healing that's involved. We know that also with physical healing, there are sometimes has to be some emotional healing. There has to be some confidences that comes in there. Come on now. There has to be some other issues that are dealt with along with the healing in North America because the world's moving so fast. And somebody said, well, you know, we want to see it happen here. Well, I'm trying to help you to see that if you want to see it happen, you're going to have to get permission for God to make it happen. Because he can and he will. But the question is, can you believe it? And this man here, he said, Jesus said, do you want to be healed? And you know what the man said? He started getting religious. He started saying, I have no. I have no. Like, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of money. I don't have a fine fancy car. No. What he was really saying is this. And you could stop. You could stop right there. He said, I have no he says, I have no man to put me in the pool. But listen, stop at I have no. Because I found out there's a lot of Christians in church that don't get healed because they don't believe they have. They don't believe they have done enough. They don't believe they have been good enough. They don't believe they have given enough. They don't believe they have been to church enough. They don't believe they've been faithful enough. Or, God forbid, that they have the other opinion. That they think they actually re but deserve a miracle. Because, bless God, they've been there every time the door's open. And they've given their tithes. And they've always supported their pastor. And never spoken against their pastor. And, bless God, they come up to the prayer line. And their whole idea is they're coming because they deserve to have a miracle. Are you listening to me? Because I remember when I was a pastor... And we had a man, one of our elders got cancer. And I remember looking at him, and right in front of everybody, a few hundred people. 
I started praying for him. I put my hand on his head and I started praying for him. I said, in the name of Jesus. I just command healing power of Jesus to flow through my brother right now. Because, Lord, you know how faithful this man's been. You know how every time the door has been open, he's been in church. You know, you know, Lord God, that he's been a great giver. You know that he stood beside this pastor. You know, and I'm going on and on and on, and all of a sudden I felt the Lord say to me, What are you trying to do? I said, What, Lord? I said, You trying to qualify him for a miracle? And I said, Lord, I just shut up for a second. I was silent. I think everybody was wondering what I was doing. The Lord said, he don't qualify. You can't be good enough, smart enough. Come on now. I'm just showing you some of the hang-ups we have in church here. In a word faith church, I confess the word. Or maybe I didn't confess. Let's just look at either side. Let's look at the, let's look at the, the, the negative side. Well, I didn't confess the word as, uh, as much as I should have. I, I said it a hundred times, but one time I made a mistake and I doubted for a minute with my lips. And, uh, yeah. and you know, everybody was raising their hands and, and I only had, they had their hands up as high as they could go, but I only had my hands up halfway. And everybody was leaning to the left and I was just not so leaning as far to the left as they were. And Come on now. You know what I'm talking about. Everybody jumped through hoops and I forgot the last hoop. Come on. How many know what I'm talking about? Can I just tell you something? None of that counts. You're not getting healed or not, get, not getting healed because of that. Let's go to the other side now. Well, you know, Lord, I just, I just gave. I, I'm faithful. I'm consistent. I deserve. Listen, this is not let's make a deal. I found out that in North America, many people have come to God. And they've come to God. And listen, even in good word faith churches have come to God and said, Lord, I deserve a miracle. Listen, we don't deserve a miracle. We get one because of His grace. Hallelujah. Now, listen to me. I'm not, don't confuse them. There are some things that we get because we're good disciples of Jesus. There are some things that you will get, rewards that you will get because you're a follower of Christ. But can I tell you, healing and salvation do not fit into that category because they come through the blood of Jesus by the grace of God. Hallelujah. We are saved and by the grace of God we are healed. Hallelujah. And if you're going to get healed tonight, you're going to get healed the same way. You got saved. You couldn't be smart enough. You couldn't be pretty enough. Couldn't be handsome enough. Couldn't be religious enough. Couldn't been, and you couldn't have been bad enough. But you're going to get healed the same. See, I go up. See, this is what amazes me. Because I can stand in front of a crowd that has never, ever heard the gospel. And within 20 minutes, I can convince them that there is a healer on this field and that I am his representative. And I'm here to tell you that crippled, you don't have to be crippled anymore. Blind, you don't have to be blind anymore. And cancer, you don't have to, you don't have, to have cancer anymore. And, and, and I can go down through this. And within 20 or 30 minutes, I can, the miracles start happening. Pop, 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 pop. Because they don't have a whole bunch of religious hang-ups. And this crippled man's lying there and says, I don't, I don't got this. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't. And I found out there's a lot of people in churches that are just kind of going through the list, you know. Listen, in the old covenant, you know, there were some people that made deals with God. But I don't believe when it comes to healing, you make a deal with God. You just come to Him. You know, I heard one person say, I told the Lord. 
that if he healed me, I would serve him for the rest of my life. I looked at him and said, you nut, what are you going to do if he doesn't heal you? Die and go to hell? Come on now, what's your option? Are you listening to me? So this man's laying at the pool of Bethesda and Jesus said, do you want to get healed? Huh? Huh? Do you want it? Do you really want to get healed? Because I found out in every church there's always somebody, sister, you know, so-and-so, who just her whole, her whole identity is in the fact that she's the one that's always sick. She's, she's the one that is always sick. And that's her, if, if she ever got healed. I, see, I remember one time I was preaching when I was pastoring in Picton, Ontario. There was a guy named Snake. And he, he came out of jail and he acted like a snake. And, uh, but praise God, God, I befriended him. He had tattoos from here right down to his, his toes. One time God told me to give him a car. And I gave him my nice car and he sold it the next day on me. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I got mad at God. And God said, did I tell you to give the car? And he said, yes. And uh, he said, well, then praise God. He said, you did what I asked you to do. That's all that matters. But he'll never say that a preacher didn't give him anything. I said to him, I said, Snake, you need to get saved. He said, I know I do. But if I did get saved, I wouldn't know who I am. My whole identity is in the fact that I'm evil. You listen to me? I found out there's people in the church, their whole identity is the fact that they're sick. There's people in the church, their whole identity is in the fact that they can't find stability. And I'm here to tell you that, bless God, you can get a new identity in Jesus. He can heal you. He can restore you. He can change you. He can transform you. I'm almost done, but I want you to hear this. Jesus went to the man and said, he said, do you want to get healed? Huh? Or just want to hide behind your excuse? And I found out there's always people in the church who want to hide behind the excuse. Well, pastor, brother, sister, I would have been there, but you know my back's acting up. And so I'll just, I'll be there, I'll be there for the, everything else, but you know, the setup, I just can't come. Come on now, I'm going to know what I'm talking about. Don't shout me down because I'm telling you the truth. But see, you need to know this because you need, to, you need to actually probe into your identity and say, what is it that's holding me back? If Jesus can and Jesus will, what is my problem? Is it that because I really don't believe or is it because I don't really want to be any different than I am right now? Because how many know for some people, I'm not saying people here, but how many know for some people and some of my crusades that if they ever got healed, that would mean they would have to leave the remote control, put down the remote control, they'd have to stop watching the television, they'd have to throw away the Cheeto bag and get off the couch and get a life. So healing takes on so much more of a condemnation than just getting healed. It means that they would have to have a new world. They'd have to have a new environment. They'd have to have a new setting. And so this man's laying at the pool of Bethesda and he's really saying, I'm not religious enough. I don't, I didn't, I don't, have, a, I don't have everything I need to get healed. Thank God you don't need a lot to get healed. All you need to do is believe in Jesus, right? Praise God. I want you to flip to one portion of the scripture, last portion of the scripture, Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 15. Everybody say, Jesus can. Everybody say, Jesus will. But the question is, can you believe it and will you receive it? Amen. Now look at I want you to listen to this last portion of scripture. Here it is. Here it is. Are you ready for it? Say yes. It says, it says in verse, uh, verse uh, 22 of Matthew 15. 22. 
It says, Behold, a woman of Cana came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord. Oh, uh, son of David, my, my daughter is grievously uh, severely demon-possessed. And he answered her not a word. The disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, since she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent except to the, ho- the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came worshiping him and said, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, but even the little dogs get the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Jesus answered and said, Oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be unto you even as you desire. Now listen to me. Here we have a woman. She's not religious. This is what I preach to most people. They're not religious. They don't have a religious bone in their body. Jesus is preaching in a crowd and he's preaching to a whole bunch of people, a woman who's not even a Jew, not even, she doesn't go to church, she doesn't tithe, she doesn't give, she doesn't know how to confess, she doesn't know how to confess the scriptures, she doesn't have any Kenneth Copeland books, she doesn't have any Kenneth Hagin books, she's got nothing, nothing, nothing. She comes up and Jesus, she says, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, please have mercy upon me, heal my daughter. And Jesus says, man, should I be giving the children's bread that belongs to the people of God to those who don't belong to the house of God? In other words, what he's saying is, you don't go to church. You don't know the hymns. You don't know the songs. You don't know how to worship. You haven't been tithing. You haven't been given. I think he was just playing a game with her. I think he was just testing her. Because how many know, I think Jesus knew that that didn't necessarily count. Not when it came to healing. Well, it, comes, it counts when it comes to discipleship. You'll, there's a lot of things you'll get out by being a faithful steward. Come on now. But when it came to her healing, it didn't count. And she said, yes, Lord. She said, no. She said, no. I agree. I don't go to church. I agree I haven't been regularly. I believe I haven't been tithing. I haven't been given. I didn't give a special offering. I don't know any of the memory verses. I don't even have a Bible. I, 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 don't, I, I haven't placed my foot in church for years. She said, I, really don't, I really don't deserve to get the children's bread. Which Jesus said, the children's bread belong to the children of God. Healing is children's bread. If there's anybody who deserves to be healed, it's the people of God because we are, understand His covenant. But Jesus said, he said, he said, wait, he said, he said, you're not in the house of God. You're not a believer. You really don't. You really don't know anything. She goes, yes, that's true. I don't know anything. It's true. I'm not very religious. That's true. I haven't jumped through all the hoops. It's true. I didn't know how to raise my hands. It's true. I didn't know how to do the Pentecostal shuffle or the charismatic can-can. It's true. I don't even know the preacher's name down the road. But she said this. She said, even the dogs get the crumbs. And Jesus turned to her and he said, Woman, great is your faith. Why does she have great faith? Because she was coming to Jesus based upon mercy and grace. And not based upon works. And I'm here to tell you, if you're going to get healed in this house tonight, or if you ever need a miracle, you need to know how to approach God when it comes to healing your body. It's not because you're so nice. It's not because you're so learned. It's not because you're so discipled. It's not because you're so faithful. You come the same way the people in Sudan come. You come by simply believing 
that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin and heals our sicknesses and our, our diseases. And by his stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. Which is shocking. It's quite shocking, really. The two times Jesus called people with great faith was both people that didn't even go to church. They're both, both people that didn't even, weren't even part of the household of God. They came just simply knowing that they didn't deserve it. But they knew he could. And they knew he would. Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you right now, tonight, that Jesus can and Jesus will. Hallelujah. He can heal your body. He can heal your emotions. He can, he can set you back on track. He can forgive your sins. Uh, he can provide for you. He can get a new roof for your church, Brother Doug. Uh, he can do all kinds. He can, and I'm here to tell you, not only he can, but he will, hallelujah. But really, when it comes right down to it, the ball is not in God's court. The ball is in your court. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus bounced the ball back into your court. And Jesus proved it when he said to this woman, Be it unto you even as you will. Tonight I want to ask you a question. Can you believe? Will you receive? What do you want? The questions are not about God. Because we know he can. And we know he will. The questions are about you. Can you believe? Will you receive? What do you want tonight? That's the question.